Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Gunnar Peterson, and he'll be answering your most important questions on fly fishing in Iceland. The show will be 90 minutes in length, and we're broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Gunnar a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you won't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Just fill in your name and the email address in the form on our homepage, and we'll let you know when the next show is. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. If you have to leave early, you can return to our website at your convenience and listen to the broadcast at any time. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted. It is the property of the Knowledge Group, Inc., doing businesses ask about fly fishing. Recordings or transcriptions of this program cannot be distributed or sold in any form. When we return, we'll be talking with Gunnar Peterson about fly fishing Iceland. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market as well as unbeatable customer service and product support. They are best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly and Kodiak rafts. These rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. The Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, I'm convinced that the Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at the ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to www.bigskyinflatables.com. That's bigskyinflatables.com. Before we introduce Gunnar, we'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight. For our drawing tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to the Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Gunnar's section that says, Click here to register for our drawing. Click on that link, fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a one-year subscription to the Drake magazine. And this is uh, four issues, $25 a year subscription to the Drake, uh, a really nice magazine to have and uh, read great stories about fly fishing. And um, we'll be giving that away to the person who answers the question we ask at the end of the show. And the question will be something that Gunnar and I talk about during the show, and you must submit your answer along with your name and location using that text box on our homepage, the, the same text box where you can ask questions. So listen closely and use your best typing skills, and maybe you'll win that subscription to Drake Magazine. Our guest tonight is Gunnar Peterson. Gunnar Orn Peterson was born and raised in Reykjavik, Iceland, and I'm going to destroy all these uh, words, uh, Gunnar, so you can correct me later. Uh, his first childhood <laughs> memories are from Lake, and I actually tried to understand the pronunciation of this. Why don't you go shoot for it uh, there, uh, Gunnar? Was the lake? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Lake Tinkatlava. Okay, there you go. Lake I'm not Tinkatlava. even going to try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> where his parents uh, had to drag him to bed at midnight as he wouldn't stop fishing. Since then, fishing and later fly fishing has been his passion. 
Uh, his guiding career started shortly after he received his driver's license, and for the first decade of the 21st century, he spent the summers guiding for Atlantic salmon on the renowned Laxa, where Gunnar learned the trade of guiding and instructing beginners as well as experienced fly fishermen. Um, Gunnar is also a lawyer and practiced law for some years after graduation. However, his passion for fly fishing led him back to the river as he became a partner in Iceland's leading trout fly fishing outfitter, Fish Partner. For the past few years, Gunnar has been guiding again and bringing fishermen to some of the finest salmon and trout fishing waters in Iceland. He is also the editor of Fish Partner News, a monthly newsletter about fly fishing in Iceland. Recently, Gunnar has shared other Icelandic English growing concerns about the dangers of Atlantic salmon in Iceland is facing due to rapidly growing farm fishing industry. As a conservationist, Gunnar became a founding member of the Icelandic Fly Fishing Show, a nonprofit organization which has the objective of protecting Icelandic freshwater species, mainly Atlantic salmon, brown trout, and Arctic char. Gunnar, welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, everybody. It, uh, we got to thank Gunnar for staying up. It's 2 o'clock in the morning in Iceland, <laughs> so uh, we want to talk. Thank you so much for uh, staying up and uh, being with us tonight. So uh, glad to have yeah, you. Yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we've got some questions tonight, and um, uh, let's just start out, you know, Tell us a little bit about Iceland, you know, about its, you know, for all of us that haven't been there, you know, what's the geography like, the scenery like, uh, what's the attraction that Iceland has to, well, to fly fishers as well as non-fly fishers? Yeah, I mean, uh, Iceland is a beautiful place. It's uh, it's an island in the middle of the Atlantic, actually located on the on the mid-Atlantic ridge, and because of that, it's, uh, it's on the edges of the two tectonic plates. So theoretically, it's, it's uh, geologically, it's both in North America and Europe, oh. and it's, uh, it's an island that's ever growing. It has the Mid-Atlantic Ridge going right to it, so it's an, an area of uh, constant volcanic and uh, earthquake uh, activity. So that's that's why the the center of the island has the most uh, volcanic activity, and what we call the highlands, uh, which is uh, in, uh, the newest as we can say, the newest part of the country, because it's always always growing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Iceland is a, it's a very wild country. It's a, we have a lot of space here. It's 103,000 square kilometers, so it's only 330,000 people. So, as you can see from those numbers, we have a lot of, a lot of uh, plates, a lot of space for everyone, and uh, the nature is wild. And most of the fishing takes place on, on private waters, which uh, is very exclusive, and you have your own piece of water. So that's one of the good things about fishing in Iceland. It looks, uh, I, you know, I have your brochure in front of you that I got from you at the, the fly fishing show in Denver, where we met, and um, yeah. uh, it. Uh, I mean, the scenery is just, just incredible. I mean, uh, it, it's almost like you're on another planet there. It seems like uh, it's so beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So even if you aren't catching any fish, uh, it looks like a good time there. Uh, just uh, looking uh, 360 degrees around where you're at, uh, just about no matter where, where you're at. So, um, well, um, so when when you come to Iceland, uh, you fly into Reykjavik. Is that the main airport? Yes, yeah, the main airport is in Keflavik, but only 40 minutes from from Reykjavik, the capital. 
So uh, when you go to the fitting areas, you always pass through Reykjavik. Okay. And when people fly into fish, where do you stay? Do you stay in, in Reykjavik or, or where, where do you go? Uh, no, well, actually, we, we, we do do day tours from Reykjavik. So if people are in Iceland for other, you know, just for other regular uh, tours to travel, then we can do day tours from Reykjavik. But when, you know, for our longer trips, we stay at the location. We stay at the rivers. Uh, oh. We don't have lodges uh, ourselves, but we... Uh, are in cooperation with hotels, and then we have uh, private uh, huts also, which we uh, rent out. So we have several different uh, different types of accommodation available, just depending on where you're fishing at the time. And um, and so, how do you do? You transfer via buses or, or shuttles to those locations uh, from the airport? Then yeah, we take people there. Yeah, we take people there. In uh, most of our trips are. Uh, Guided where you have a private guide, and then you your guide you just share the guide with maybe one other person, and that and the the guide will take you to the river, you know, on your own uh, private car. So that's that's how we do it. And how far away from uh, Reykjavik is the fishing? Uh, what kind of? We are fishing all over Iceland. The closest one to Reykjavik is only half an hour from Reykjavik, and then the big lake Sinkatlava, which we we might talk about later. That's uh, only 40 minutes from Reykjavik, oh, and uh, okay. then we have fishing. Yeah, then we're fishing in the northeast, which uh, is a six-hour drive. So it's uh, we have uh, about uh, what 10 fisheries in Iceland, and they are located, you know, all over the country. So we have plenty of options for people that are traveling around, or if you just want to fish close to Reykjavik, then that's an option. So is it um, getting to these fish fishing locations is all by Ground transportation, you don't fly in like you would in Alaska or Canada, that kind of thing? So it's mainly all by ground transportation. Uh, sometimes we do fly up north to uh, to Big Laxo and the northeast part of the country. It takes uh, six to eight hours to drive there, uh, but, you know, if people prefer to, to fly, it's, it's easier, only 45 minutes flight. Mm-hmm. So we, we do do both, but most of the fishing in the in the south, South and the western part of the country, we just drive there. So it's very close. To, uh, all the rivers and lakes are very close to roads. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have any. Of course, in Iceland, we do have uh, lakes and the rivers that are just uh, in the wilderness and in the highlands, which are you know inaccessible, but uh, by roads. But um, most of our rivers, we, you, you can drive either just right to the river or even along the river. On uh I wouldn't maybe call it a road, but on a mud track at least. And so you would need the need the four-wheel drive vehicle to go into, to go along the river. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Greg in New York City was asking uh, to have a good experience, and and again I'm, I can't pronounce it, but the, that lake thing of a thing of Alton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many days should should one book for a trip like that? I know you have a lot of different trips that you have put together packaged, but uh, is there a standard yeah. uh, trip you have for that lake? Uh, very commonly, people go there for five days. Uh, it's also a common trip to maybe to go there for two or three days and combine it with uh, what we call the highlands and do maybe two or three days in the lake and uh, three or four days in the highlands. But to get a good experience in Tinkotlap, it's a, it's a kind of a difficult question because it's a uh, the fishing there is more about uh, 
more about the quality than the quantity. I mean, the, the round trout in Lake Kingwatlan, it's not like one of those 10,000 cast fish, but uh, you can have maybe a streak of days, two, three days where nothing is happening, especially in bad conditions like the wind is blowing. But then you can have a day where you can catch you know, 20, 30 fish. So I would say if you go on the prime time in May or early June and you spend five days there, you would be very unlucky if you would have, you know, bad fishing uh, throughout the whole five days. Very unlucky. But a good day would be, you know, a good day there would be three, five fish. Mm-hmm. About that. And you're talking about large fish in that lake, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, the I mean the average size of the, the what we call the ice age brown trout, which is only found in this uh, in this one lake. It's called the ice age brown trout because it was landlocked there on the ice age. The average size in the lake and what in our beach is probably around eight pounds now. So if you're there for some time and let's say you you know you get get some good fishing, you're very likely to catch a fish over and around twenty pounds. All right, All right. So that's. Uh, wow. That's pretty big face. Yeah, yeah. The the picture in your in your brochure uh, for that uh, lake is just incredible. Um, <laughs> it's just a monster brown trout. Yeah, yeah. Just beautiful fish. Yeah, yeah. So um, the brown probably, probably one of the biggest browns in the world. It's probably what one of the biggest brown trout in the world, which you can find in this lake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting and unique, yeah. unique species to that lake. You said so. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, so brown trout are the primary species of trout that you fish for in in Iceland. You have we have three species in Iceland. We we have the brown trout, right. which can either be landlocked or like naked brown trout or sea run brown trout. Okay. Uh, the sea trout, and then we have Arctic char. It's the same with the Arctic char. They can be uh, either just a native landlocked or, or sea run. And then we have the Atlantic salmon. Uh, okay. Our company will more, more focus on the brown trout and the, and the Arctic char uh, fishing. Uh, but, I mean, historically, going to Iceland to fish for the Atlantic salmon has been a big thing, and it's, it's really popular. We also have salmon fishing. So these three species are, are what we have in Iceland and yeah. what we fish for. Um. Doug up in uh, Calgary, Alberta, uh, Doug McLean asked about what what are the seasons for trout, salmon, and char. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the the season in Iceland starts in April, beginning of April, so it's uh, only less than a month away. Before that, you don't have any fishing. So in April, you start for trout. Uh, you start for arctic char and uh, brown trout, mainly in, uh, in, in lakes. And then... As the season goes, uh, the trout season gets stronger. It's really good in May, uh, both for char and brown trout. And uh, then the Atlantic salmon starts to run in June and starts to run really strong in late June and the beginning of July. So if I would say prime time for any of the species, prime time for for Atlantic salmon is from middle of July uh, throughout the first week of August. It's the prime time. Uh, prime time for fishing the big lake, which I've been talking about, that's May. Uh, and prime time for just general for, for char and uh, brown trout in Iceland is June, July, and even into August. Okay. So that's that's pretty much the season in Iceland. And then September, you can, you can have really good fishing in September as well for 
about Tim Salmon and uh, also for Trout. Is that uh, kind the of summer? Uh, the summer. Does it get? Uh, does the weather get kind of dicey though in September? Is that uh, more likely that you'll have? Yeah, I mean it's it's Iceland, so May, I would say May and September. It's uh, you can get unlucky, definitely. You can get unlucky. It's it's dodgy, but you can get good weather also. But if you want to be, you know, more on the safe side regarding the weather, then uh, from middle of June, July, August, that's you know that's a better bet. Okay, and then David in Fort Collins, Colorado, was asking the best month. So it sounds like probably July is is one of the best months. Is that true? Yeah, June, June and July, okay. I would say. Generally, for, for trout, you know, from last half of June and July, that's probably the best month. And for uh, Atlantic salmon, slightly later. Okay, okay. So you can uh, take a trip and uh, be fishing for both brown and Atlantic salmon in the same trip. Uh, sounds like that's... Uh, oh, yeah, your, definitely. Yeah. Your grand slam, I take it, is a brown, a char, and a, an Atlantic salmon, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, yep. <laughs> good. Um so uh, you're fishing rivers and lakes there. Now, uh, on the rivers, are you primarily doing wade fishing or are you doing float fishing, uh, drift boats, rafts? Wade what, fishing uh, only. Say what yeah, again? We, there are uh, wade fishing only. From oh, the, fishing from only. the bank okay. or wading. Yeah. I mean, we, we, do, uh, we do have uh, boats in uh, one river in Iceland, which we call Big Laksa, but they're mainly just for, uh, well, they are for fishing in some places, but uh, that's one of the only rivers in Iceland that we do fish from boats. So it's mostly all uh, lake fishing and from the bank. Okay. And then the well, lake fishing is wade fishing too, or is that from a boat? Uh, in our lake, it's from it's from the bank and wade fishing. We don't we're not permitted to take a boat out there. But there oh, are some okay. lakes in Iceland where you are permitted to do to fish with a boat. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's take a um, quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about uh, fishing in Iceland. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams, and just so you know there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure from helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience in coaching. A vacation with Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip. It's a full-on Baja experience that you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its back roads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing and snorkeling while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved into the tactics used today. They're well-versed in fly fishing the beach, in kayaks, on pangas, and are well-versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, Jack Creval, Yellowfin, Skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja Fly Fishing Company by visiting their website. It's BajaFlyFish.com. BajaFlyFish.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Gunnar Peterson about fly fishing in Iceland. If you'd like to ask Gunnar a question, just go to our homepage at AskAboutFlyFishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And, uh, okay, good. Uh, all right, I'm just checking some of the questions, Gunnar, that are coming in. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. 
Okay, good. Uh, we've got one, but it, it, it will fit it in later when we start talking about presentation techniques like that. So we're good for the moment. Yep. Um, okay, the um, question from Doug McLean in uh, Alberta, Canada again is, are there public waters that can be fished uh, for trout, salmon, and char, or is it all private? It's all private in Iceland. It's even, uh, to understand the system, it's good to know that, you know, even though the, uh, there are some, there is some land in Iceland that is owned by the government or owned by the municipalities, there is still someone that controls the fishing licenses and, con and owns the fishing rights. So all water in Iceland is in that sense private and you have to buy the license from the landowner or someone who leases the river from the landowner to be able to fish there. That's how the system works. And then most commonly uh, the landowner, the farmer or the one who owns the land leases the fishing rights out to someone like uh, Fish Partner, for example, or Guide Service or whoever, you know, wants to operate it. So that's usually how it is done. But in theory, you could go up to the next farm, and if that farmer had to rent out his uh, lake or river, you could just buy a license from him. That's how it works. Okay, so uh, Doug also asked a question uh, about license fees for non-residents to fish. So, so each, um, and you call them beats there, right? Kind of beats? Yeah. Fishing areas? So you don't buy a Icelandic fishing license per se. You buy a license to fish each individual piece of water. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. and you don't need any any license from, from the government or, or from the state or anything. You just buy the from the landowner or the outfit that has leased the river from the landowner. So is it, because we did have a couple of CJ in, uh, uh, CJ in Coventry, Connecticut, he asks, um, uh, can I plan a fly fishing trip as a do-it-yourselfer? This is without a guide, and what percentage of the, the rivers are open to the public and not private land? Well, you already answered that part. But can a person do a do-it-yourself trip and buy their own licenses, or is that just really not feasible? Yeah. They can, Okay. Okay. That's actually no problem. And, and for example, our services are we do tailor all the packages. So we do anything from just uh, supplying you with license up to you know the whole package with guide and you know the accommodation and everything. So if you would just like to buy the license, we can we can tell it to you. Oh, of course, we usually you know recommend people having a guide for at least one or two days to get to know the place. Sure. You could do it on your own. That's uh, that's common. And people, there's even. Uh, a specific card or a license card which you can buy which gives you access to I think it's probably 35 or 40 lakes uh, all over Iceland that's you know that's a cheap card it's only lakes though it's, it's uh, 60 or 70 dollars so you could you know use that and just you know drive between those lakes and fish and so so you can do it on your own that's no problem do you buy do you buy your licenses by the day or by the week or how does that work or is it different for each? It, it, it's by the day. You can, yeah, you, can, you buy it by the day, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously then we, we sell the package beforehand, and we, we sell you, you know, several days. But you buy it by the day, and it's very common in Iceland, especially in the salmon fishing. It's uh, it's more common actually to in the trout fishing that you buy whole days, you know, start in the morning and just finish in the in the evening. But it's very common in the salmon fishing that you start you, you buy on a whole day. But the whole day is not, uh, it's uh, the afternoon of, of the first day and then the morning of the second day. Oh, interesting. So that's, that's how it's, yeah, that's how it's sold. And in, 
in salmon fishing, it's usually sold in, uh, at the minimum of two days or three days, but depends on where you're fishing and, you know, yeah, who, yeah. who you're dealing with. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, working with a company like yours, you know, you can sort out all those opportunities for people to, you know, where to go, you know, where to get the license and, and probably save a lot of time, even if they don't want a guide. Uh, yeah. It, yeah it, you know, your services are going to come in handy for sure, um, especially in, an, you know, a country that you haven't been to before. It's uh, just getting around yeah. and knowing where to go is, is probably half the battle. Uh so, and, and, you know, in, in, like, reading your brochure and stuff, I got the impression that uh, when you buy a license for some of these areas, they are restricting the, the number of people that are in that area, right? So you're not fishing shoulder to shoulder? Or, yeah. Uh, you want to talk about it's, that it's a little always, bit? Uh, yeah, it's always limited number of people. I mean, there are some lakes probably that you wouldn't have uh, limitations, but usually, I mean, there are only, you know, few people fishing there anyway, but all the main rivers, all the salmon rivers, and all, all our beach in, in the big lake, uh, have a limitation of a uh, number of rods that can't be fishing at a time. So, for example, we have rivers in the highlands, and we the two rivers there, and the total length of those rivers are 25, 30 miles, and there are only eight people fishing at a time. So you always have a certain section of the river, you know, for yourself. Wow. That's how yeah. it works with most of all of the fishing. Now, do they do any stocking in Iceland, or is this all uh, wild trout? And I, of course, wild salmon. But, um, yeah, it's all wild trout and wild salmon. And there are a couple of rivers in Iceland which they, you know, restock the smolts, and they are in, in that sense a uh, hatchery fishery. There's only a couple of salmon rivers that do that. But uh, apart from that, everything is it's all wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and then Dave in Mesa, Colorado, wants to know, he says, I've heard that Iceland is very expensive to fish. I've been to Iceland many times and understand the cost of most things in Iceland. Setting aside airfare, lodging, food, and ground transportation, uh, he wants to know what, what a week of fishing costs for a non-resident with a guide. So it, can you come out with kind of an average of, of uh, uh, what it costs to, to fish? Uh, excluding the ground trans, you know, all those uh, lodging, ground transportation, just yeah. hire a guide? Hire a guide, if you hire a guide, then uh, buy the license. The license is the first cost that you have to buy, and, and then the, the guide. It would be, uh, it would be prop, I mean, the guide usually can be shared between two and three people, and it's most often more pricey than the, the license itself. So the, the, it could be, uh, about $1,000 per day with, uh, for the license and the guide, so if you split that between two persons, uh, it, there will be two licenses and one guide, and that would be about $500 per day. Okay. I would say from there and up. And if you would do, for example, a trip uh, with everything included, like the accommodation and transportation and just the uh, hotels and everything, it's usually ranging... In trout fishing, it's ranging around $800, $1,000 a day per person. But as I'm that's thinking, all it's inclusive. And that's, yeah, that's all inclusive uh, yeah. package. But what, what Dave is probably talking about and referring to is uh, salmon fishing also, because salmon fishing is usually more expensive than trout fishing. And that's oh, really? how it's always been. And, yeah, and the license to fish for one rod for salmon, I mean, in the prime time, it's usually... 
maybe fifteen hundred uh, dollars a day uh, for a day for the license. So and it can go up from there. Believe me, it can it can be uh, you know twice that expensive. So it's uh, I would say yeah, anything from five hundred to one thousand dollars for the trout fishing would be would be so the price. So dependent dependent on day. where you're fishing and what you're fishing for determines the price, right? Yeah. And what you're fishing for, and the 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 season, you know, if, whether you're in the high season or not, whether you're in the main salmon run of that river or not. So the prices on the licenses in the salmon rivers, for example, uh, they vary a lot. If you're in the shoulder season or if you're in the high season, so that's what what's what affects the price the most. Yeah, varies quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, yeah. Larry Salt Lake City wrote in and he said. Uh, to stop the transfer of pathogens and disgusting insects <laughs> to our other trout streams in the world, I'd prefer to rent a complete fly fishing outfit, waders, rod reel, vest, line, leader, everything. Is that possible? Can you can you gear somebody up there? Yeah, we can do that. I mean, we do that ourselves. We can rent you uh, rods, reels, flies, waders, everything, food for $50 a day around that. Uh, everything included, but uh, you do it in the fly shop also if you're doing it on your own, and you can rent the gear. And but what we do in Iceland, though, it's it's not permitted to bring in any uh, used gear or tackle without having it uh, disinfected in the airport. So when you when you come here, you go to the custom custom gates uh, at the airport and uh, declare the fishing gear, and they will disinfect it there. At the airport, so that's what we do to keep the rivers clean and uh, oh. you know, away from you know. Yeah, that's and that's, they do that for do you. It. They do it for you. You have to pay a fee. It's not it's not very expensive. You have to pay a fee. Uh, I think it's around thirty forty dollars. Hmm. And how do they do that? Do they have a chamber or something, or how, how do they actually? Yeah, let's take it back. Take it back to a room. I've actually not seen it done uh, with my own eyes because it's done in, behind locked doors. But there, they have a, a solution where they, you know, spray the uh, spray the uh, gear and uh, the waders and the shoes and everything, and uh, disinfect it in that way. Rods, reels, flies, all that. Yeah. Anything we we always recommend that people don't. We recommend that people don't bring used flies anyway. And okay. not felt uh, soles on the on the waders, but they, I mean, they don't do anything about that. But we recommend that you don't do, don't bring that. Okay, okay, okay. Um, before we get into uh, the more specifics about the fly fishing, there, um, uh, Larry in Salt Lake uh, asked another question. He says, "What's been the biggest challenge in Icelandic fly fishing in the last thirty years?" Uh, biggest challenge. I mean, I, I think he's talking about say that, as a fishery, you know, not as to fly fishing or maybe conservation or you know the whole the, the whole idea of fly fishing in Iceland. I think what he's after. Yeah. Yeah. What, what the biggest challenge and the biggest change in in the past years has been uh, the introduction of uh, catch and release. I think in the salmon fishing, and of course in in trout fishing as well. It's growing every year. Uh, historically, Icelanders have been uh, fishing and uh, hunting, you know, to feed their families. So 
would say for about 20, 30 years ago, we had very little cats in a leash uh, amongst Icelandic anglers. It was always, you know, growing and being introduced uh, by anglers coming from abroad, from, from the UK and from the US. And uh, this has been growing a lot in Iceland. And I think it's uh, affecting the numbers of the salmon, of the, of the especially multi-winter, you know, the big salmon uh, dramatically. They are growing again. And uh, the sizes of the salmon are, you know, come, kind of coming back. That's because we've been releasing a lot of the big salmon and and the salmon in general. And now a lot of the main salmon rivers in Iceland are cuts and release only. I mean, most of them, most of them, I would say. And this has just been happening over the past, let's say, 20, 15 years mm-hmm. or so. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like a real positive effect on the fishery. Um, now, do oh, yeah. if you're That's a native Icelander, do you... Um, do you have any kind of an exemption for that, you know, like the farmers and so forth to, that are, are still, you know, no, no. fishing? Not in, in those rivers. I mean, if you would fish those rivers which have these policies, then you just have to, you know, you know, apply to, a, to, to those policies and, you know, release everything. So it depends on the rivers. I mean, there are some rivers that are open to, uh, there's like quota maybe. You can, you know, take two fish for the day or some don't even have quota. But, you know, the main salmon rivers all have, you know, catch and release rules at this point. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. We'll take another quick break here, and then um, when we come back, um, we'll talk more about uh, actual fishing and techniques and so forth uh, in Iceland. So hang with us a few seconds longer, and uh, we'll be right back. Looking for that shot at a permit? Whipray Key Fishing Lodge in Belize is where you want to be. When you stay at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, you're on a private island and are only minutes away from some of the finest permit fishing in Belize. Whipray Key is just a 30-minute boat ride from Placencia. Once you're there, you'll be fishing Permit Alley, one of Belize's best fisheries, and you won't be taking long boat rides to get started. You'll fish with world-class guides like Daniel Cabral, whose family has fished the area for over 30 years. Want to switch it up and fish for tarpon and bonefish and make it a grand slam? They can make it happen at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge. Book your next adventure now. Visit WhiprayKeyFishingLodge.com. That's Whipray and then C-A-Y-E FishingLodge.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We're talking with Gunnar Peterson about fly fishing in Iceland. If you'd like to ask Gunnar a question, just go to our homepage at AskAboutFlyFishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. Okay, let me um, see where we're at here. Um, okay, this this kind of relates to what you were just talking about. Uh, the question came in on the internet, Gunnar. Um, uh, Dave Dillon right. um, has uh, he says, how has fishing for the three species mentions changed over the years? Is it improving or declining? What are the things that threaten the future health of fish populations in Iceland? So. I would take it that it's improving, right? Uh, but is there anything else that's threatening the health of the fish populations in Iceland? I would say that the Atlantic salmon is uh, has been improving over the last 10 years or so. Before that, it had been declining uh, a lot. What is threatening the Atlantic salmon at this point is the increased uh, salmon farming in Iceland. That has been increasing for some amazing reason. Uh, has been increasing over the last five or ten years, while it has been, you know, declining in, in all other countries we compare ourselves with, like Norway and the European countries and and 
even uh, in the U.S. So that's that's what is threatening the Atlantic salmon at the moment. Uh, the brown trout has always been strong and is still strong, and uh, I think there's nothing threatening the brown trout. But the uh, Arctic char has been having some uh, difficulties, especially the sea run char. Uh, my theory is that it's probably because of uh, increased temperature, uh, because the char you know thrives best in in the cold. Yeah, that's how it has been uh, developing you know, over the past you know decades. I may have missed you saying this, but uh, did you say that they're doing? Are they doing uh, salmon farming in Iceland, or is it because of the farming done elsewhere? Yes, they're doing it in Iceland. They're doing and it. And they're in doing Iceland it. Too. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, but we are uh, trying to uh, let our uh, voice be heard uh, that uh, they don't do it in in quite the numbers that they are planning to. Yeah, yeah, seems to be a problem all over the world. I know I personally don't buy anything, yes. any frozen fish that's not wild caught. You know, that's just, yes. um, I like the idea of sustainability, but not when it starts hurting the native populations. It just doesn't make much sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, let's see. Where was I on this? Um, talking about, oh, uh, one of the questions here. Um, Larry Ray in Salt Lake City again. He says, "How crowded are the rivers in the summer? What are the main? Well, we'll talk about hatches here in a minute. But uh, basically, uh, how crowded they are, in, the rivers are in the summer. Um, you want to answer that again? Yeah, I mean they just aren't. That's the easy <laughs> they answer <aren't>. because <laughs> of the <laughs> because of the, of the limitations of the rock. You you yeah. always have your section to fish, so." There's no no uh, race to the to the best spots. Yeah. Does that ever become a problem of being able to find, you know, getting a, a license and a place to fish? Is that ever a problem? Oh yeah, that can be a problem. The, oh, I mean, it can. Okay. Uh, yeah. Obviously, if you, if you come out of Iceland, you can always find something. But uh, to, to be able to get good spots and to get into the rivers, you you need to book in advance and. Uh, I mean, for example, for this for the, this coming summer, we have we have several options open still in the trout fishing. But uh, if you're going for Atlantic salmon in the prime time, then it's usually best to book uh, one year in advance. Wow. Or so. And that's the advantage of of going with a company like yours because you you probably have those locked in a certain amount every year, right? So you know what what you're going to have as inventory, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, um, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about the brown trout because that that's a big uh, you know that's a big focus of, of fishing in Iceland. Where are the natural yeah. foods that the, the brown trout are eating in Iceland? Are they any different than you'd find elsewhere in the world? Or? Uh, I mean, not really. They just eat the, uh, all the kind of insects and flies that we have. You know, the hatches. We have uh, chronomites, caddis. A lot of midges and some mayflies. But the big big trout in the lake, which I've even talked before, the ice age brown trout, they eat uh, small char. So they eat they eat other fish. And yeah, just mainly the, the, the these hatches which I mentioned. That's that's what they eat. Um, 
and, uh, and so the major hatches are, are midges and what else? You, you did say some mayflies. But midges. Are... Yeah, some mayflies, not you know, not the big hatch, but midges, uh, carrots, and uh, chronomites. Chronomites. Okay. Okay. And um, uh, for fishing the the rivers and streams, uh, are you using are you doing more nymph fishing, dry fly fishing, streamers? What's usually the case there? Uh, we, we do all of it. I mean, in, uh, for example, if I talk about our rivers in the highlands for, for brown trout and northern trout, uh, the nymphing is probably the most effective uh, overall, you know, method which we use. And obviously, we, I mean, I use the opportunity to fish dry flies every every time I get. It's uh, it's my favorite. So and that's, mm-hmm. that can be really strong if you have the right conditions and you have, have the hatch going on. And uh, in the cold water, you know, and in the, the off season, in the early season, and the late season, then streamers, you know, get this stronger again. But usually, you're just fishing with all these three, you know, just whatever uh, conditions are up at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I mean, we're you know looking at the pictures. You know, you're into some pretty large fish here, and you always wonder, well, are they taking the small midges and so forth, or do you have to do you have to use streamers to get their attention? No, you can you can catch catch the big fish on just tiny, on tiny uh, dry flies, and tiny nips. Tiny nips, yeah, yeah. Good. It's incredible how I mean you you know it. It's incredible how these uh, tiny uh, flies can hold these big fish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what about in the the lake fishing? Uh, it, a lot of chronomid type fishing, or what techniques do you use there? In in the big lake, it's uh, the, the most Common thing is you know you catch most of the fish on streamers, and uh, you know weight yeah weighted streamers, and uh, in, in May, especially in the, in the prime time in the early season in May and the early June it's mainly on streamers, but when we go into the season uh, a little bit uh, we can catch them on small dry flies and on nips, but most of the fish in the lake are caught on streamers. Okay, okay, so a lot of stripping for those. Yeah, a lot of stripping. Uh, Doug McLean up in Calgary. Uh, he's got a lot of questions here tonight. Thanks, Doug. Uh, what are the, the popular flies for, for trout, salmon, and char? Uh, I know that covers a broad range, but maybe you could kind of list off yeah. uh, a few of the more common ones you use. Yeah, that, uh, for salmon, example, if you just want to have a you know good box to take over all that, you know, to take uh, fishing anywhere in Iceland, you would have to bring the uh, regular salmon flies, you know, some of those uh, common common patterns are uh, uh, Red Francis, Blue Charm, Collie Dog, uh, Nighthawk, you know, several, you know, several of those uh, names. Uh, then you need uh, some floating tubes, or small and big floating tubes like Sunray Shadows, these pistols, uh, Collie Dogs, you know, the, the big floating tubes, strip them or, you know, have them scaling across the surface. And then some uh, tiny uh, weighted tubes to go down a little bit in in some cases. And then uh, last but not least, the hitch. That's probably uh, my favorite uh, technique to fish for the Atlantic salmon. And you do the kind of the Portland knots on on a, on a single hook fly, or or use a special hitch tube, which uh, creates creates this ripple hitch on the surface, which uh, attracts the salmon, and they and the salmon just takes it on the surface. Wow, well, that's exciting. That's kind yeah. Of, yeah, 
Yeah, that's for the salmon. That would be a really, you know, good salmon box. For the, for the trout, I mean, you would have to bring what we've been talking about, the dry flies, uh, dreamers, and nymphs. We have special, of course, a lot of special nymph patterns in Iceland. Uh, good patterns would be uh, croaking. Not sure how that will, you know, translate, but it's, it's uh, we call it the hook. That's a really good pattern. Uh, Fat and tail, copper john. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old standby, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah. shock whack, just so, so a lot of those uh, flies that you know people are familiar with in uh, in the U.S. Um, Doug again asked another question. He wants to know if the, you're using any tube flies with single or double uh, hooks. Is that allowed yeah, or used? It's allowed. Uh, I mean, I don't use it uh, for trout fishing at all. Uh, it, it, uh, some people do though for uh, kind of the streamer uh, tubes. It's popular uh, with salmon. Yeah. Uh, people use small micro tubes, uh, small weighted tubes, even larger tubes. And then uh, what I mentioned before, like the sonar shadows and those kind of tubes, which you yeah. use skitter and skate across the surface. Yeah. And um, there aren't, aren't really rules about the n- number of hooks, so you can use trebles. And what about uh, in fishing for trout? Can you you have three uh, flies on, uh, or or just two, or is yeah. there any no no restriction there? Okay, okay. Whatever no, you can I mean, keep I from tangling up. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said so, go ahead. You were going to say something about dropper. Yeah, I mean, I commonly use a dropper, so and I normally don't fish with three flies, but very yeah. commonly with two flies. Right, right. Dry dropper or a double nymph rig down below, something like that. Yeah, both. Both. Both, yeah. Um, Larry in uh, Salt Lake City wanted to know, um, during the summer months, what a common attractor pattern is there? Uh yeah, like for like streamer-wise. No, no, I think I mean, uh, uh, more like uh, grasshoppers, ants. You know, uh, an attractor fly when there's no hatch on. More of a searching fly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the just a rather large caddis, I would say. Caddis. In that in that sense. Do you yeah. have grasshoppers in Iceland? No, we don't have no. grasshoppers. Yeah, nope. so that's, uh, or crickets or cicadas, any of those? No. No? Okay. Too cold, huh? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, those are just a lot of attractor patterns that are used in the U.S. Um, or, you yeah. know, like yeah. uh, just like a stimulator or something that's kind of, you know, big and buggy on top. But So, so it sounds like you don't have a lot of surface bugs like that other than the, the normal kind of caddis hatches uh, or, or midges. Yeah, right? we don't have we don't have the big bugs. Oh, big bugs. Okay, okay. Um, uh, and well, he asked, the second part of his question was, do you use more streamers than dry flies? Uh, I would say, yeah, probably the average Icelandic uh, trout fisherman would usually use more streamers than dry flies and would have more streamers in his box than dry flies. But I think the dry fly fishing is always increasing. Just 
uh, because people, you know, tend to just go for it every chance they get. And obviously the chance isn't always there, but, uh, I mean, increasingly for myself, uh, for example, I just uh, sometimes just wait and, you know, watch the water. And uh, I mean, uh, I would rather catch a fish on a dry fly than, a, you know, a three or four fish on a, on a streamer. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we use both, you know, pretty much. But the, the, the in general, in Iceland, the streamer is probably stronger. Yeah, yeah. The... Um there's also some questions about uh, equipment. Uh, if you are bringing your own rods yeah. and lines, uh, yeah. what you know, length of rods and weight rods should you bring, and, and what type of lines should you bring? Of course, we have everything here from, uh, you know, you, you can go on a trip fishing for relatively small char or trout, like, you know, uh, two, three-pound fish, and then you could be going on a Atlantic salmon trip or going into a big lake fishing for 20 pound uh, trout so okay. but if you would uh, want to take a kit to Iceland and you know fish most conditions I would say you bring a lightweight uh, single handed rod nine feet I would say uh, five or six weights and you can fish pretty much you know all the trout you want uh, and then bring seven or eight weights for the for the salmon or for the big trout Okay. If you have more options, I mean, I like go. I would love to go out and uh, fish brown trout uh, and char with a with a four weight. So I sometimes bring that with me as well. But anything from four to to eight weight, depending on where you're going, uh, single-handed rods should you know be sufficient. Okay. Uh, for salmon fishing, there are some some rivers that are you know bigger and uh, kind of. Uh, well, you're not, you don't really need a, a, a spare rod, but it's, it can be really handy. And fun, huh? That's, yeah. that's with, yeah, that's with the rods. And, uh, with the lines, I mean, the, 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 the heaviest line I would use, uh, for spare rod would be 11. But usually, I mean, you would be, you would be using lines for salmon fishing from, from 6 up to 9 maybe. Now, mainly floating lines, is there any need for sinking lines? Use sinking lines in, in the, the lake? fall, in, intermediate, but mostly all floating. I mean, I hardly ever put on a sinking line anymore. I mean, I, if I do salmon fishing or, or sea trout fishing in the fall when it's cold or in the early, really early season, maybe April and, uh, and early May, I use uh, intermediates or sink tips. But it's uh, if you come in the summer, it's not a necessity. I mean, bring a sink tape with you just to, to, to attach if you you know get in that conditions. But floating lines are usually always just sufficient. Just okay, I'm just floating. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, anything special regarding you know the terminal tackle? You know your leaders and tippet are all pretty standard. Uh, anything you prefer? It's, it's all pretty standard. I mean, uh, uh, what we have here in Iceland, which is slightly different uh, from the U.S., which I've experienced. I've, I've fished the U.S. Uh, twice this year. It's, it's my uh, first time fishing abroad ever. Mm. Usually, just this year. That, that's the the fish uh, are not as uh, spooky. I'd say they're not as, uh, uh, as spooky to the to the leader as in the U.S. So. No. We don't don't really need to go, you know, six x or or you know five x uh, for for the tippets. 
Yeah. So yeah. you, I mean, three or four eggs should usually be sufficient. And uh, and just in general, when you're you know standing over a fish, I found that when a fish is in the state, so you, you could be standing over a fish, you know, for several minutes before it just you know, sl- slowly moved out. Here you can often, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, you know a different point of the of the spookiness. They're not yeah. as uh, not as leader shy here, but they're spooky to the people. Okay. So they often just run. And you can explode the pool just by standing over it, but uh, so that's kind of a difference uh, in the fish. Okay. Do you have a lot of raptors in in Iceland? Eagles, hawks? No, we have uh, falcons and eagles, but I wouldn't say a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. Just wondering about. So, so they know what the fish know what yeah. humans are. Basically, they're uh, they're not thinking we're flying. Uh, I mean, they they know the human form, I guess. So uh, that's what they're really yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, let's take another uh, quick break here, and then we'll come back talk a, a little bit more about uh, fishing in Iceland. Fly Fishers International needs your support. Its conservation projects at both the national and club levels are addressing critical issues of importance to fly fishers. The organization provides grants to help with restoration habits of like Wolf Creek in Idaho and Sands Creek in Upper Delaware in New York and funds projects that collect valuable data about fish and their habitats, like the peacock bass study in Miami, Florida. Uh, Fly Fishers International core values remain unchanged, to serve as a strong advocate for fly fishing in all waters for all fish, to preserve and promote the arts of fly casting and fly tying, and to help ensure future generations can continue to enjoy these one-of-a-kind experiences. These efforts won't be nearly as effective without your help, if you're not already a member, we invite you to join the Fly Fishers International. They would uh, work to co- cultivate conservation, education, community within the sport of fly fishing. Join Fly Fishers International today and help support their fine work. For more information, go to their website at flyfishersinternational.org. That's flyfishersinternational.org. Are you listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio? We're talking with Gunnar Peterson about fly fishing in Iceland. If you have any questions, put them in that question box on our homepage, and we'll see if we can get them answered. We do have a few that came in here, Gunnar. Um, uh, we talked about hatches, so we addressed that one. Uh, Dave in Mesa, Colorado says he's visited a fly shop in downtown Reykjavik. Are there yep. other um, – wants to know if there are other – fly shops throughout Iceland. I'm curious that if outside Reykjavik, how hard it would be to find general fly fishing supplies. Uh, I mean, there are other stores outside Reykjavik. I mean, the, most of the biggest stores are in Reykjavik. Uh, there are stores up north in Akureyri, the, the biggest town in the north. There are stores in the east, and I think there's a store in the, in the town uh, just uh, one hour east of Reykjavik called Selfos. He would actually just send me a line, and I would. I, I usually do all my shopping in Reykjavik, so I'm, I'm not. I know there are there, and oh, oh yeah, of course there are, are stores up north in uh, in Husavik, very close to uh, Big uh, Big Laxa. Really great store called uh, Slav. H L A D. So okay. there are yeah there are stores all over, but I wouldn't I wouldn't leave Reykjavik. Uh, I mean, you would have to drive in some places. You would have to drive considerable time to get to an, to, yeah. to another store. So, 
the best to stock up. I'll probably do my shopping in Wicked. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's, it's safer at least. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, I think we answered that question. And um, hold on here and see what else we got coming in. Okay, we answered the rods. All right. Um, um, yeah, uh, Phil asks, he says, I always hope to hear about techniques employed elsewhere that I might try in waters near me. Uh, he's in the U.S. and Kentucky. What Are there any special techniques? He wants to know, are there some techniques you employ in Iceland that might be transferred uh, well elsewhere? Anything you've seen differently done in Iceland than, than you saw in the U.S.? As far as presentation and so forth. Uh, I think uh, it's, it's probably more uh, in regards to, to salmon fishing, uh, which salmon? I've seen techniques here in Iceland that I, uh, yeah, uh, salmon fishing. But uh, for trout, I hope I don't, you know, offend any Icelandic uh, anglers. But I think, I think uh, trout fishing in the U.S. and uh, you know elsewhere, I, you know, where I know about it, it's, it, I think it's more technical than in Iceland. Okay. It's probably due at some, you know, due at some extent to the, the what I mentioned before that the fish aren't as leaders out here; they aren't as selective because you know people aren't. I mean. There aren't someone, you know, just trying to feed them fly constantly because, like I mentioned before, we have these limitation of rods, so fewer fishermen are trying to catch them. Right. Been, you know, not been caught as often. So I'm, I can't think of any, you know, specific technique that I think of that we use here that I haven't heard like about elsewhere. Yeah, the pressure is less there because you've, you know, you've only yeah, got one the, fisherman the in. Probably several hundred yards of river at the most, right? And uh, um, yeah, yeah. And, and you're just not seeing that many people. Um, yeah, they get pretty yeah. hammered here in the United and the States. Techniques, the techniques we use here, which I don't know, it is it, used a lot uh, abroad. It isn't my favorite, so I wouldn't probably add it to my, you know, to my arsenal if I if I didn't need to. It's uh, you know, heavy streamers with sinking lines. That method, which is used in a cold conditions in Iceland. Yeah, yeah. But all the, all the, you know, like, you know, delicate techniques, we pro I think we could probably pick them up from, you know, foreign anglers along yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything special that uh, you would do to uh, tell us as, as uh, foreigners to coming into fish? How to prepare for a fishing trip in Iceland, like gear, other clothing, equipment, other than your fly fishing gear. Um, uh, how, you know, how, how should you be best prepared? Just dress well. Just be, be, be prepared for everything. I mean, weather-wise, Iceland can be, you know, pretty harsh. Uh, okay. Obviously, people, you know, fishing the, the north U.S. and fishing Alaska, they know, that, they know this and they have been there. You know, in harsh conditions, but uh, yeah, you you need the underlayers of wool and you know really good underlayers, thick socks, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, not bring a rain, uh, what do you say, rain? Uh, just bring a completely rainproof jacket. 
not something that just you know you know holds rain for an hour, but just completely rainproof jacket. Okay, I had trouble hearing you. You said bring a completely rainproof jacket. Is that what you said? Yeah, okay. like one of those you know proper rainproof jackets because yeah. it, when it rains, it can rain you know a lot and you yeah. know, for for a long time. So pretty much, you know, just similar to if you were fishing in northern Canada or Alaska, you prepare pretty much the similar way, right? I mean, I, I don't know yeah, how yeah. much further north you are than Alaska or if you are north or, uh, in the latitude. Do you know what latitude you are in comparison to Alaska? Yeah, the, the northern part of uh, Iceland is uh, 66 degree, degrees. Oh, yeah, it so looks like compare, the dead center yeah. in Alaska, yeah. Just pulled up the map. Yeah, it's about the same. Yeah, yeah, like in the Fairbanks area of Alaska. But you probably have different weather because of all the water around you, uh, the ocean. Uh, yeah. yeah. We don't have we don't have those uh, harsh, you know, cold uh, temperatures. Okay. We don't have the the, the temperature doesn't uh, vary a lot. We don't have you know really you know really really warm days and not extremely cold either. So it's just a kind of uh, a balanced temperature. But what we do have a lot of is wind. You have a lot of, a lot wind, of wind, and when you have a cold day and a wind, yeah, you have a lot of winds and uh, you know wind and a cold day it can be pretty rough on the river. Mm-hmm. So okay, okay. Um, we did have one question uh, from Greg in New York City. I don't know if you can answer this or not. Um, he's asking about. Uh, Lake uh, thing a lot, and uh, <laughs> I can't pronounce. Uh, yeah. In comparison to yeah. Jurassic Lake in Argentina, and I don't know if you know anything about that lake in Argentina. Do you, or should we? Uh, do you, you have the uh, I've heard about it. I've heard about it several times before, but I don't know really, you know, firsthand anything about the fishing. But I know it's. I know there are big rainbows there. That's pretty much all I know. So, uh, yeah. in regards to techniques, uh, I, I mean. He could send me an email, and I I know a you know I know a person that you know go goes and fish there in the Jurassic Lake. So oh, you could compare both it of them. Yeah. for him. Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, we didn't really really share your information. So your website is fishpartner.com, right? Fishpartner.com, yeah. and your email address is gunnar g u n n a r at fishpartner.com. So if people um, yeah, want to contact exactly. you, um, they can do that. And uh, So, Greg, there you go. You got an invitation. Uh, Gunnar will hook you up with his friend who knows both and uh, can probably fill you in on, on what it's like there. So, um, so you know, we, we're running out of time here, but um, I want you to kind of give us an idea, you know, if, if we're, you know, uh, coming over there to fly fish, what a typical day might be like fly fishing with your guides and, you know, how the day starts, how it progresses. Um, you know, what's a typical day like fly fishing in, in Iceland? Uh, let's say, for example, if you go to the Highlands, which is my favorite part of the country to fish, where we have our uh, Arctic char and the brown trout rivers, mm-hmm. the typical day would be you, you wake up at the uh, at the hotel and uh, have breakfast. And we go out, out uh, between 8 and 9 o'clock, try to be at the river at 9 o'clock. And then we just we fish throughout the day, and uh, we just have... Up there, we have the lunch just on the bank. We don't go into the, to the hotel or the lodge you know, during the day. And then just before uh, dinner, we come back and have lunch around 7. 
and then maybe uh, sometimes if we are in the right spirit and uh, the weather's good, we go out again after lunch, maybe do you know a couple of hours of fishing, and that would that would be uh, you know typical day in the in the Icelandic Highlands. And we would you know we would you know take a car, we would uh, travel up and down the river, and we would just kind of uh, I mean so if the river would be like sold out, four people would be fishing there, we would have to go into uh, you know, just fish our beat and our section. If it would just be ours to fish, you know, for the day, we could just decide, you know, make a strategy throughout the day. We want to fish this pool and that pool and there, and just drive around and fish, you know, different sections of the water. So that would be kind of a classic uh, day of fishing in the highlands. For the, for the salmon fishing, for example, that's more fixed timing of days. You go out and you have to be on the river at seven o'clock. And you fish till 1, 1 p.m. and you take a break during the during the midday and you know have a, have lunch. Then you fish again from four in the afternoon till ten in the evening. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know you if you come in late June and early July, you can fish into the night in Iceland because we have have this 24 hours of sunlight. Right, right, yeah. So it's typical to take that that uh, late afternoon break, kind of a siesta time, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah, and regroup. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay. My ideal day of fishing in Iceland when I go out myself is uh, to hike a lot. You know, I would like to walk along the river and fish. So that's that's an option also. Okay, okay. And it, it looks like most of the rivers are, are pretty large there. Is that the case? I mean, they, you saw some uh, of the U.S. rivers. What, do you, what would you say compared to U.S. rivers? Now, I would say that they are probably relatively small compared to U.S. servers. I mean, uh, oh. we have, yeah, we have few large servers, which, which, you know, which I would categorize as large. But uh, most of the rivers are kind of like manageable or small. Uh, most of the rivers. I mean, most of the rivers, you could cross them at some point and uh, oh, you okay. know, wait them rather easily. There are only probably, I would say, 10, you know, 10 rivers that are, that you don't really cross. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Good. Um, anything else you'd like to tell us uh, that we missed or should have talked about before we close up here tonight about fishing in Iceland? I think we just, uh, you know, pretty much covered it. If, if, if people would like any more information or you know, need any more details, just feel, feel free to contact me. Send me an email or. Or find the information on our website. Sure. Yeah, great. Thanks for the offer. And uh, we'll just uh, one more time uh, give that out. Fishpartner at uh, fishpartner.com is the website, fishpartner.com. And uh, uh, you can find uh, their phone numbers and so forth there. And if you want to reach Gunnar directly, Gunnar at fishpartner.com. G-U-N-N-A-R at fishpartner.com. Good, good. Well, stick with me here just a bit longer, Gunnar. We're going to give some prizes away and, yep. and close this things up. So hang tight, and uh, and uh, we'll be right back. Um, we are going to be giving away a one-year membership to the Fly Fishers International, a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, and then we'll also be giving away uh, a one-year subscription to the Drake Magazine. So uh, hang tight, people, and we'll be right back. 
The Bristol Bay region of southwest Alaska is home to the largest runs of wild salmon on the planet and some of the best trophy rainbow trout fishing found anywhere. The pebble mine still remains a threat to the region, and 2 million acres of federal lands may also be at risk. The entire fly fishing industry is united in this epic conservation battle. Anglers from across the country are joining the fight. Be one of them. Visit SaveBristolBay.org uh, to learn more about how you can get involved. Again, SaveBristolBay.org. Just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave our website tonight, please take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage in the section under tonight's show that says, What did you think of the show? Just click on that link and leave your comments. We really appreciate it. Now it's time to give away our prizes, and the winners for our drawings tonight are randomly selected from the show's registration database. If you didn't register for tonight's show, it's too late uh, now, but make sure you do so uh, for our next show so you don't want to miss out on our chance to get some of these uh, great prizes we have to offer. So if you are the lucky winner, we'll contact you after the show to provide you with information on how to receive your prize. Uh, so first, I will be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. Um, to learn more about Fly Fishers International, go to flyfishersinternational.org. Flyfishers a great organization to be part of and support, and uh, it's uh, international, as, as the name implies, so it doesn't matter what country you're in. It's a great uh, organization to be involved with. Uh, we're also going to be giving away. Um, so let's do that one right now. Um, and let me fire up my database, get us a winner here. It looks like the winner is going to be David Dillon in Oklahoma. David Dillon in Oklahoma. So congratulations, David. Uh, you just became a member of the, the Fly Fishers International. And uh, next we'll give away a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, which you can learn more about at uh, mottobooks.com. And uh, they published uh, several periodicals in fly fishing as well as uh, a lot of books on fly fishing. So check them out, amatobooks.com, a uh, great publisher uh, for our industry. Um, and let's see, Tom McInerney, uh, Innerney, Tom McInerney in Colorado. Uh, just won yourself a subscription to that magazine, uh, so enjoy and congratulations. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And um, now we're going to do our little uh, contest here, see who can answer a question uh, that we talked about tonight. And um, let's, uh, let's just make it a pretty easy question here. What are the... What are the three species of fish that are, are targeted uh, in the uh, sports fish in Iceland? The three species of fish. So give us an uh, answer to that, and we'll see if we can't fix you up here with a subscription to Drake, Drake Magazine. And uh, that's our, our big prize tonight. So we're waiting here, Gunnar, uh, sorry, uh, to uh, see... Yeah. Uh, type in an answer here, and the first one that gets it right here uh, will uh, win a prize. And it looks like, okay, I got uh, um, uh, um, Doug McLean in uh, Calgary, uh, Canada, trout, char, and salmon. Uh, so you got it, uh, Doug. That's correct, right? No, that's the main... Uh, Yep. Categories, brown trout, to be more specific. Yep. But, uh, Doug, you got it, and uh, we'll get you fixed up with a uh, subscription to the Drake magazine. 
And um, you'll need to send me your address, Doug. Um, city, state, zip, uh, email. Well, I've got your email address here. So I just need your full address, and we'll get you hooked up for uh, the Drake magazine. So enjoy. Great magazine to be involved with. So, Gunnar, um, hey, thanks for staying up so late <laughs> uh, and uh, sticking yeah. it out with you with us. Uh, Thank you for having really me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, learned a lot about Iceland that I didn't know about, and uh, um, uh, thanks for being here tonight or in the morning. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It was fun. And uh, uh, hopefully you've all found our archive on the website. Um, if you haven't, uh, there's a couple of links on it on our homepage at the bottom of every page. Uh, in the archive, you'll find all our past shows, over 275 shows we've done. You can search by keyword or keyword phrase like trout, tarpon, uh, Iceland uh, now, and uh, Madison River, things like that, and you'll get all kinds of shows we've done. So go ahead and explore it, and you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised at all that you'll discover there in the way of education on fly fishing. And um, our next broadcast will be on March 21st, 7 p.m. Uh, Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On that show, we'll interview Steve Schweitzer. And Steve's been on our show uh, several times before. And uh, this topic of the show will be on poppers, sliders, and divers. Uh, Steve uh, will dive deep into tying and fishing some of the most exciting flies to fish on the top water. And uh, so listen in and learn the secrets on designing and fishing poppers, sliders, and divers. We'd like to thank Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, Watermaster, and Baja Fly Fishing Company for sponsoring our show tonight. Uh, don't forget to visit our website, askaboutflyfishing.com, and make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future projects. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing and Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.